We are the A. Atlanta, you know what that means. This is Brad Gazan of your MLS champion, Atlanta United. Atlanta has an unmistakable spirit, energy, and pride. And at Mercedes-Benz Buckhead, we are the A2. Mercedes-Benz Buckhead is Atlanta. Community-driven and passionate about what drives you. Test drive the new 2019 A-Class starting at 32.5 at Mercedes-Benz Buckhead and find out why we are the A. Mercedes-Benz Buckhead. Online at MercedesOfBuckhead.com. It's the 50th running of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. I can't imagine people 50 years ago wanted to say, let's run. On July 4th, one of the, probably the hottest days of the year. 50 years of traditions. I'm excited to do the Peachtree every year, but this year I'm most excited about the 50th anniversary t-shirt. 50 years of champions. Atlanta, it's a great city, the course, the atmosphere. 50 years of Atlanta's July 4th tradition. It's just exciting being around that many people in one race. Let's get you ready. You're listening to the Peachtree Podcast, the official podcast of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Welcome back for another week of the Peachtree Podcast here with Jay Holder of Atlanta Track Club. I'm Jennifer Perry and uh, love having you take us along on your trading runs. We know you're just a few short weeks away now from the 50th running of the AJC Peachtree Road Race and we've got a superstar lineup for today's episode, Jay. Yeah, this may be my favorite episode of the season yet. We're going to talk to the original race winner, Jeff Galloway. You may know him from his coaching, from his Mm -hmm. running and walking method that tens of thousands of of runners across the country and around the world use, but he's also the guy who won the race for the first time. And he's got an interesting story. This is one of my favorite stories that I've heard around the race about what he did with that trophy after he won the race. And if you've seen the trophy, it's pretty big. And he actually enlightens us on a myth that even you believed up until today, Jay. Uh, I have spent the last year studying everything about the peach tree and I, and I felt like I knew it all. And yes, Jeff taught me something today and I was, I was surprised to hear it. Well, you're going to be surprised right along with us on today's episode looking forward to him and then one of the really cool moments of the AJC Peachtree Road Race I tend to slow down around the Shepherd Center every year I like to just take that in because uh, you know you're looking at people whose lives have been changed in some form or fashion and they're there in the heat cheering you on and it's just one of those special special moments along the race but also at the very start of the race the first people to go off are those wheelchair athletes and man they are in it to win it Jay there's not a better wheelchair race in the world, and I, and I say that with confidence, than the AJC Peachtree Road Race Shepherd Center Division. And this year, it's a whole other level. With a $50,000 event bonus on the line, the field for this year's race is the best of the best. And if you're a spectator, if your plans for spectating don't include getting out on that street at 6.30 in the morning, maybe change that, because mm-hmm. you're going to want to see that this year. We're going to talk about who's in the race and why it's such an important part of the Peachtree tradition. It's big for those competitors this year. We're going to give you a sneak peek too at the list of those athletes participating then finally we get to an inspiration for a lot of people it is never too late to start running and betty Lindbergh sums that up perfectly jay she has a motto it's just keep moving and at 94 she's going to be just keeping on moving through her 29th consecutive AJC Peachtree Road Race. Started running when she was 60, and here she is. She is training just as hard as she ever has. She has a real great philosophy about how to be prepared for this race that works for 94-year-olds, it works for 10-year-olds, it works for 34-year-olds. So stick around for that part because the approach she brings to this race and just to life is really a lesson we can all learn from. 
around this time as we plan for Petri, this is the time I start thinking about taking a vacation. And I'm real glad we work with Delta, which flies to 300 cities around the world. That's 300 cities where everyone does the same things you do. That's 300 cities where the people in those 300 cities think they're the only ones who know about that one place. 300 cities where people miss someone in one of our other 299 cities. Did I mention 300 cities? 300 cities where people sing in the car or the shower or both poorly. Delta isn't flying to 300 cities merely to bring us together, but to show us we're not that far apart in the first place. Delta, proud to be the official airline of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Jay, I think one of the most special moments of the AJC Peachtree Road Race is when the wheelchair division goes off. They start first, and it's always kind of one of those moments that makes you pause and think, wow, as tough as this race might be for me, it's probably a lot tougher for these competitors. But man, you want to talk about competing. We've got some really exciting contestants who take part in this every year. Yeah, if you're not out lining Peachtree Street when the first wave goes off, the wheelchair wave, you might want to think about getting out there. It's, the, I think, one of the most exciting moments of the day because it's just really good competition. And joining us now is the woman who puts that race director, wellness coordinator for Shepherd Center, Becky Washburn. And, and Becky, you're at the Shepherd Center now. Let's first talk about just the level of competition we see in this race every year. Yes, this is going to be one of the most exciting years. We have 11 champions returning for this race, past and some ones that are racing really well now. We've got Daniel Romachek coming, who just set the 5,000 record on the track a week and a half ago. Ernst Van Dyke is coming back. He's a past champion from early 2000s. Obviously, we've got Marcel Hu coming in from Switzerland, who's been kind of mentoring Daniel to start with in the last couple of years, but now Daniel has kind of taken the leadership on that. And we have past champion Josh Cassidy from Canada, and also Aaron Pike will be joining that mix. On the women's side, we have Susanna Scaroni, who just had a blazing fast time in a 10K up in New York City last weekend, 22-22, which our record is 2209. We're bringing back Manuel Shar, who's also won Peachtree one time. And then obviously the most decorated Peachtree athlete is Tatiana McFadden. An incredible field, you know, covering wheelchair racing from everything from the 10K to the marathon for the last couple of years. I've never seen a field like this. Susanna Scaroni, our, our returning champion after just setting that world record. And this is a, an exclusive, by the way, for podcast listeners, because this field is not re- being released until Monday, but we're giving it to you here first. <laughs> so now you're hearing who's going to be on the start line. And one of the things I think that helped you, Becky, put together such a great field is that a $50,000 bonus being offered this year for any wheelchair racer or foot racer who breaks the standing event record. That is a lot of money for anybody. It is unheard of in the world of wheelchair racing. That is correct. This is a special moment. We're going to witness history in the wheelchair division across the world. This statement that the Atlanta Track Club is making is huge for equality in wheelchair racing. And I can speak for myself, but also speak for the racers that when they heard what the bonus was going to be, they were completely shocked. So thank you guys for making this historical moment. And I hope it pushes other races to step forward. And we hope we see the record fall. Daniel's time last year was just two seconds off of it. And Susanna just set a world record. Do you anticipate seeing that that record fall in both races this year? I do. I even dreamt about it last night that it happened. <laughs> I, I would be shocked if they don't go down. The racers are out there practicing with one another. They are primed coming off three track meets in Switzerland. 
they're in excellent, excellent shape, and I expect to see the records fall. Well, in terms of the physical strength required for this, I'm always so impressed with this because cardiac hill for any runner out there is difficult, but how do they work up to the hills and the humidity, all the different weather conditions we can see on July 4th? That has to be a training challenge. Yeah, we're all very hopeful that we don't get rain. Rain would impede them greatly, and I would not expect the record to fall then. Cardiac Hill, they're flying at the beginning because it's downhill. But once you hit Cardiac Hill, you can see the momentum is slowing. But they're expert at pushing through that hill. They always speak to the inspiration of the patients from Shepherd Center, family and friends out there, helps push and motivate them to get past that. But they truly are remarkable athletes. And if you see Daniel Romachek go up that hill, it's effortless. It seems effortless, even though I know it's not. One of the things that, that people should know about the wheelchair division is it is an elite division. It is not open to everyone um, because it is an elite race. And you do have to have a specific level of training to be able to perform it you know, in the front of the Peachtree field. But Becky, remind us what speeds our, our wheelchair racers get up to on this course in some of the downhill sections. Coming down 10th, they could reach up to speeds of 35 miles an hour. And if they're working together, you can see them go a little bit faster as well. But um, those are some pretty incredible speeds to maintain. And you're right, they have to qualify to be in Peachtree. They have a specific qualifying time that they must be under in order to be able to compete here. As you pass the Shepherd Center, you have a lot of your patients there sitting and cheering the racers as they go by. I would imagine this has to be inspirational for those who are trying to get back to their normal, Becky. So can you talk a little bit about that and what it takes to get involved in this sport? Yes, many of our patients and one of the reasons that we continue to support the race is it really supports our mission in in real time. You get to see the possibilities of what is out there and what you can achieve if you want to. We are very lucky to have Krieg Skabor as our racing coach. And when we have any patient that has any interest in getting introduced to wheelchair racing, we'll call Krieg to come in and kind of talk through some things and get them on rollers to start that process. And I actually have one of my athletes that's competing this year for the spinners He's watched the race the previous two years out on the street and decided that this was the moment that he wanted to get into wheelchair racing. Wow. So that's pretty cool in itself that a lot of people are getting started in this sport. But Jay, you have that perspective too at the finish line as they come across, as they come down the hill toward that finish line. What's that like? It's incredible to see because a car moving at 35 miles an hour is one thing, but a person moving at 35 miles an hour is just, it's an incredible sight. It looks totally different. You know, we would love to be able to put out the finish tape and drape the flag around them, but they're just going too fast. So (laughs) they use that hill and then the uphill you see on 10th going to Monroe to decelerate. So we're kind of glad that's there. But one of the things that'll be different this year is that our award ceremony for the foot race and the wheelchair race will be on the street right there past the finish line at 8 a.m. So we'll keep them around a little longer at top three in both division so they can be right there as the rest of the masses come across the line to celebrate their victories and hopefully an event record. Yeah, that would be nice to present a check at the end of all that. Mm-hmm. But you do such great work there at Shepherd Center. There are so many inspirational stories, not just among the wheelchair racers, but uh, Becky, you see those stories each and every day there. A lot of people sometimes go, oh, you work at the Shepherd Center. It's a great place. And I've heard people go, it must be really depressing. It's the exact opposite. The culture is welcoming, encouraging, motivating, 
And I do get to see people become more independent, uh, return to life, and become more confident every day. And it's just a wonderful feeling. We talked about the impact that seeing the race has on the people who come out from the Shepherd Center and cheering and on has, but what about the opposite? What impact does that have on the racers as they go by the Shepherd Center and see that huge, enthusiastic crowd cheering them up the hill? All the racers say to me that their favorite spot, probably besides the finish, is going up Cardiac Hill and just seeing the patients is such an inspirational moment for them. They can remember when they were like them and it's pretty enlightening for them to see that they're going to have an effect on someone's life that day. There's so many great stories. We hope for more stories out of the 50th AJC Peachtree Road Race. This might be where the records are broken this year. And Becky, thanks so much for your time this week here on the Peachtree Podcast. Thank you. As a proud sponsor of the AJC Peachtree Road Race, PNC Bank is committed to all those who are working toward their next goal. The PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. All rights reserved. The AJC Peachtree Road Race, celebrating 50. After the 50th running of the AJC Peachtree Road Race, celebrate with one of Atlanta's favorite teams. On July 7th, runners and volunteers are invited to celebrate the race with Atlanta United as they take on the New York Red Bulls. Wear your finisher shirt to show off your accomplishment. Purchase your tickets online at atlantatrackclub.org slash celebrating 50. Jay, our next guest today here on the Peachtree Podcast, we had to have this guy on because he is the original champion 50 years ago, and he certainly made his mark not just in the AJC Peachtree Road Race, but really for the sport in general. Yeah, and and Jeff Galloway joining us now. Jeff, you are the original Peachtree champion, but your your involvement in this race goes beyond just winning it in the first year. This race has been a lifetime project for you. Atlanta is just a very special place for me. It, it always has been. It's been really the birth of my running. This is where I started. It's where my family has gotten involved in so many different things. But when it came to Peachtree, there was absolutely no doubt that I wanted to be a part of it. And I actually helped uh, Tim Singleton in a number of volunteer projects for the first year, including hauling a few boxes here and there. You know how race director stuff is. But I had gone to graduate school, taught school for a year. Then I started my Fidipity store in Tallahassee. And in 1975, I moved the store up to Atlanta. And at the same time, Tim Singleton was moving to Texas to accept a new job out there. And He asked me to help in the organization of the event under the leadership of race director Bill Neese. And Bill and I became really good friends. We worked together on a variety of projects. And the very first one was actually run out of my Fidipity store because the Atlanta Track Club had no office, no building. Due to Bill Neese's connections, We were able to bring in some fantastic sponsors, including the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You're known, obviously, for being the face of this race for so long, but I do want to talk a little bit about that first race because everybody knows you won it, and this was before you were an Olympian. So take me back to that day, June 4th, 1970. Where were you in your running career, and, and how did you approach race day as one of the original 110? 
Let's go back just a little bit further. Six, uh, seven months before the peach tree, I was getting out of the Navy during my three-year enlistment requirement. And I was really making a lot of decisions at that point. What did I want to do with the rest of my life, my career? And did I want to continue running? Because it, it really was a question mark back then. There was absolutely no way that one could make a living out of running during that period. But at the same time, running had changed my life, and it had really given me every single day that I ran an invigoration in the brain, and I realized that, and I wanted that to continue. But I also enjoyed the competition and the unknown out there as to what could I do, what could I be. I was just talking to... Um, a group last week about that. They were wondering how in the heck could someone who had not many credentials in running, which I I didn't have many credentials at that time, make the Olympic team. The first step on that journey was the Peachtree Road Race. And I knew darn well, we all knew that Peachtree was just a very minor event on the running scene at that time. However, running down the major street in Atlanta would give running some visibility that it had never had in this city. And it did. Right from the get-go, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution interviewed me and others at the race on race day, and it made a big splash in the newspaper. So that whole concept of making something really significant out of this road race took hold that very, very first year. But being part of that original 110, Jeff, did you have any idea back then 50 years ago that the race would become what it is today? I didn't think of uh, tens of thousands of people, but I could see hundreds of people filling up Peachtree and making a statement that running is something that we do here in Atlanta, and it, and it makes a big difference in, in people's lives when they do it. And it certainly has made a big difference in people's lives, not just this race, but you yourself, Jeff. I remember when I was starting to actually get interested in running about 12 years ago, you were a big part of that because I was one of those people who watched the peach tree, who covered the peach tree as a reporter for a number of years. And I finally thought, okay, I'm going to tackle this thing, but I don't even know how to get started. And I picked up one of your books. I uh, read about you on some websites and I thought, I think this run, walk, run thing is the thing that's going to get me through those 6.2 miles. So a lot of runners out there listening this week are just like me and they got involved in this sport because of you. I mean, that has to make you feel pretty good that your legacy is not just winning that first peach tree, being involved with this race, but really helping a lot of people learn to enjoy this sport. Well, thank you. And I uh, never take that for granted. Uh, run, walk, run has really taken off. And Estimates are by a number of experts that somewhere around 70% of all new runners are using my method. And that's just a wonderful legacy because I hear from them at the rate of an average of 100 people a day, their stories. And this is how I have learned and how high I have developed the program. It, it never, Run, Walk, Run and my other training elements have never been do this because I did that. 
I take from others what works, and I sort the data, and I compile what works for people that are doing certain paces and have certain goals and have had certain injuries. The reality about Run, Walk, Run is that it can reduce injury rate down to zero. I haven't had a running injury in over 40 years, and that's when I started doing Run, Walk, Run. And I'm not alone. I hear from people every week who have been injury-free for over 25 years. But the surprising thing is that Run, Walk, Run actually helps people improve their times. I hear from folks who either stay ahead of the sweep truck because they use my method or people who break three hours in the marathon who couldn't. So my whole mission, which started when I started my Fidipity store in 1973, was to bring people in and help them improve the quality of their lives through running without getting hurt, without having the negatives of total exhaustion. I'm also against puking. (laughs) So my, my methods are designed to avoid all those negatives. And I'm very proud to say that, that we do that. And surprisingly, a lot of people run faster, too. Running itself was a niche thing in 1970. The, the crazies did it. The, you know. So when you came up with this mission in the early 70s of getting more people to run, did people think that guy's crazy? People aren't going to get out there and run. That, that's only for nuts. A certain percentage did. And in 1970 to, to 75, the percentage of the population that thought it was crazy was uh, a lot higher than it is today. <laughs> And, and, you know, in Atlanta, we did not have a lot of people trained up to do a 10K. So we, out of Fidipides, started the training programs in 1975, uh, weekly training sessions and clinics to back it up. And we had over 200 people cram in the store. There was a real hunger for that. And part of the reason why we had that response is that the AJC promoted the Peachtree training as a way to improve your health. And we brought in experts to back all of this up. And so a lot of people said, hey, you know, how do I do that? The training program started, and that's what grew the race. From the time we took the race over, 1,200 people. We uh, left off three years ago with 12,000 people. And... uh, population boom in Peachtree was on and we're very proud to have helped with that. That AJC partnership was key, but on your trophy, Jeff, a lot of people may not realize that the AJC wasn't involved in that first race, but where did you put that trophy and what does it have on it? Did they get fancy and engrave your name that year? Well, they did not engrave my name on the trophy. It was just given out and I did not know how big that trophy really was. Honestly, (laughs) I Tim had told me that I need to get in good shape, that Carlene was going to provide a a big trophy. I didn't believe him, but they did. It was really a very nice trophy. You know, there were 110 people, and back then, there wasn't a lot of time differential between the first place person and the last place person. Mm -hmm. At most, it was an hour, but it probably wasn't even that. After the race they presented me with my trophy 
and I was overwhelmed. I had won a trophy before or two, not many, but nothing that big. And so that was really neat. But the AJC reporter, a guy named Joe Litch, interviewed me. Took, I guess, about 25 minutes. And by the time he finished, I looked around and everybody was gone. And so here I was holding my trophy and my car was 6.2 miles back at the Sears store. So I ran back holding that trophy. And at first, of course, it seemed like a burden. And then I just glowed as people looked at me carrying a trophy down Peachtree Street. <laughs> just a side note, if you want to see that trophy, you can go to, Jeff has graciously let us borrow it, you can go to the Atlanta History Center through June 22nd and see it at the 50 Years of Peachtree Display or at the Peachtree Health and Fitness Expo on June 2nd and 3rd. It is it is protected very well in a, in a nice case where it belongs, but usually it's, it's at Jeff's Fidipity store here at Ansley Mall. But the other thing, Jeff, so you ran the race, you ran back from the race, but didn't you run the course before the race as well? Uh, no, but that's a myth. Oh. And, and actually, the side story on that was that um, I had been coaching at Georgia Tech. I was the assistant track coach for distance runners at Georgia Tech for that spring. And my fastest distance runner was a guy named Joel Majors. And, and Joel still runs some uh, in the area, but he had entered the race. And I took Joel out on a little warm-up and showed him what I usually did. But we went out on the course, and we came back just as people were assembling near the start line. Somebody asked me, uh, what are you doing? And I just quipped just as a joke. I said, oh, uh, I parked my car downtown, and I was just warming up running here. (laughs) (laughs) And right off the bat, a number of the young runners who had hopes of winning the race told me that they totally lost their hope of winning the race when they heard that this guy had run the whole way in and it was a myth. <laughs> I think that's some news because that I have believed that myth ever since I started investigating the history of the race. So, wow, I've learned something new today. Yeah, we're clearing some things up here on the Peachtree Podcast. But uh, one of the things, too, about this race, Jeff, is that the route has changed a couple of times over the years. But tell us about that original course because it wasn't what it was today, correct? The original course, Tim wanted to do according to the concept of the Boston Marathon, where you start outside and you wind up right downtown. And the definition of downtown at that time was five points. And that's how he measured it. At the time, there wasn't that uh, really nice Woodruff Park there. We finished right by the Equitable Building, and the good news there, because the race started that first year at 10 a.m. on July 4th, a little bit warm. Yeah, uh, It was over 90 at the finish, and I was looking around for something to douse off, and they had not poured the little cups of water out there on the card table. So I saw the fountain in front of the Equitable Building, and I dove in. (laughs) And it was wonderful. So anyway, that was the first course. The uh, second uh, concept on the course, the concept that we have used now, occurred during my time as assistant race director in 77, I believe it was. Anyway, that year, we decided that we wanted to finish it in Piedmont Park because of the beauty there. And so we jumped through a a whole lot of hoops 
with the city to be able to do that. That really changed the aspect of the course because there was some downhill at the end. Hmm. So uh, it's a little easier course today. Easier, Jay. Yeah, easier. easier. The first three miles are definitely easier. The yeah, last yeah. three is still rough. But yeah, that finish is pretty nice uh, if you're if just experienced cardiac hill and some of the inclines after that. And of course, Jeff, you're you're still planning on, on coming back. You're one of the many original 110s who will be running this year. I'm planning to be there on July 4th. I sure am looking forward to moving my legs on that day on the course as many years as I can. Jeff, do you enjoy getting the T-shirt as much as the rest of us today? <laughs> it's more of a ceremonial thing now. The tradition that I have is that I'll get my shirt and then I will run over to my Fidipity store because we, for years we have had a after-race celebration over there, which we welcome everybody to come. And I ceremoniously present that to the store. And we now have a complete collection of all the Peachtree Road Race t-shirts up in the store. Us and Bill Thorne might be the only other folks that have all, all of the shirts. And Jeff, you're a contestant in this year's AJC Peachtree Road Race t-shirt contest. We may, we may be seeing you present your own design uh, at that <laughs> Fittipity's after party. Well, I was very honored to be a part of that contest. And I brought my good friend Walter Cumming, who is actually a Malta Boston qualifier himself. He's a real runner and uh, he's also a really great illustrator. And to tie everything in, Walter worked for the AJC for most of his career as an illustrator. So it ties all of this together. I hope we win. Who knows? We'll see. It's a really cool design. And Jeff, your story is always so interesting. Thanks for being an inspiration to so many runners over the years. And uh, we'll be looking for you out there on July 4th. Well, thank you so much, and I uh, send out to all the listeners that if you ever have any questions that uh, you're stumped with, you can go to jeffgalloway.com. There's a free email service there, and or come in Fidipides. There, most of the days when I'm in town. Brand new store in Sandy Springs, right? Just opened? Absolutely. We are very proud of that. It looks super right on Roswell Road at Hildebrand. All right, well, check it out. Jeff, thanks so much for talking to us. We will see you on July 4th. Good to talk to y'all. I am proudly wearing my bright white Peachtree Waveknit R2s because what's the AJC Peachtree Road Race without Mizuno, the official footwear and apparel partner of Atlanta Track Club? This year, while at the Health and Fitness Expo, stop by the Mizuno booth to pick up your commemorative medal right next to this year's custom shoe, the one I'm wearing, the limited edition Peachtree 50th Rider Waveknit by Mizuno. After snapping a picture in the photo booth, pick out your favorite piece of exclusive moisture wicking AJC Peachtree Road Race Decades Apparel and 50th AJC Peachtree Road Race Commemorative Tea and Tank. Folks, there will be a lot of moisture that will need to be wicked. Be sure to swing by early. We expect to sell out and you don't want to miss your chance to celebrate history. So here with Betty Lindbergh preparing for her 29th Peachtree. Take me back to the first peach tree. How did you get involved? Because you started running when you were 60, right? I was 64 was when I did my first one. But I started running when I was 63. I mean, before that, I had never done anything. But my daughter and my son-in-law were doing the peach tree. And so they asked us to give them a ride to the start and then pick them up down at Piedmont Park. And I thought, well, that's the craziest idea. Who wants to get up on a holiday? 
when you're a working person and do a road race. I'd never even heard of road races. But we took them down there, and first come the wheelchair people. That's pretty spectacular. They whizzed by. And then the real runners, those that were doing it for the money, they came by. Ah, that's great. And then the, those that are just out there to set a PR, I mean, well, oh, that looks interesting, but I never could do that. And then came the mob of those that are just <laughs> just doing it for the fun of it, I guess, or just do what they can do. And I said, you know, I can do that. First of all, I went to my doctor and took a test on the treadmill. And yeah, you can do it, go ahead, and that. So that's when I started. And I, I've always just trained by myself in my neighborhood. And uh, when I was 64, I did my first one. It was fun. And I said, you know, I'm going to do that again. And before I knew it, I'm doing 29. <laughs> so when you started running, it was something you just did to get out there, to get the exercise. When did it become, because now that you have world records to your name, American records to your name, when did it become competitive for you? Oh, good heavens. I think probably about the 20th, I think. I just did it to do it before that. I guess when I was doing the 20th, 21st, 22nd, I, I, you know, see if I can do it and set some records. No, I never can set a record and that, but at least just start it and finish it and just keep doing it is what I decided to do. I want to talk about race day for you because over the years, people know who you are on the course. Do you have a cheering section out there? Yes, it's so surprising. I always say I can do it maybe two, three minutes faster, but I have to stop for selfies. <laughs> you get a lot of selfie requests? Yes. <laughs> and I'm surprised at the number of people that know me. I mean, they pass me and say, hey, Betty, keep going. You're doing good in that. But there's a lot of them to say, can I take a picture with you? Sure, okay, we'll do that. I remember I was out... I was doing a dry run of the course last year on the back of the press truck and I was not going to run that day. It was a hot, it was sunny. I was going to take the day off. It was too hot for this Northeastern guy. And I'm about halfway up Peachtree in the truck and you're out there running. And I said, Betty is out there crushing it. I can't go home and sit on my couch. She, you are an inspiration for people. Is that a role you ever thought you'd have? And, and how do you feel about that role? I never thought I would be an inspiration. I mean, I just do it because I want to do it. But people keep coming up to me and saying, you know, you're an inspiration to me. Or, well, let me take a picture with you. I can't believe that you're doing it. You're 94, you're still doing? Yeah, I mean, what else can I do? <laughs> I just have to keep doing it. But I'm really surprised at the comments that I get. And I guess I do inspire people. I hope I do. I mean, golly sakes, most of the people are in their 20s and 30s and that. And if they're still doing it when they're in their 90s, I'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah, I'd be surprised if they're still doing it when they're in their 40s. <laughs> <laughs> so with this race, you've told me the last couple of years, you said, this is it, my last year. I'm not doing it next year. But then every time <laughs> I look check registration on the first day to see if you're there and you're in there. Are you really thinking about not doing it one year or do you plan on coming back until they, until they don't let you anymore? I plan to come back as long as I can. No, I always say when I hit about 12th or 14th Street, I'm feeling so exhausted. Right. I mean, I am tired. And I said, I'm never going to do this again. Last year I said it, 
year before I said it. But then when you finish down on 10th Street, I suddenly, I'm refreshed and I'm feeling well and yeah, I'm gonna do it next year. And so I just keep, keep coming back. So I think I will be doing it as long as I can. I'm thinking 95, no, gotta keep. Now I have to keep doing it just to see if I can. <laughs> do you have 29 years, do you look forward to the shirt? And do you have a favorite? I look forward to the shirt and whatever it is, I enjoy it. No, there's no favorite. I just enjoy them all. I've got them all up in a suitcase up in the attic. Do you vote in the contest? Yep. Who'd you vote for this year? Won't say. <laughs> I guess that's your right. We'll protect your, yeah. your right to right. <laughs> uh, so last time we talked, you had a trainer. Are you still working with a trainer training for Peachtree? Yes. Uh-huh. Still working with uh, Brian I'll be with him every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I don't train with him to do the peach tree. I just train with him to keep in shape because he has me doing upper body things and lower body, and I, I just uh, need to do that. I know I recently had the experience of the, uh, I, we didn't meet on Memorial Day, and I said, okay, I, my upper arms were hurting. And so I said, Brian, I'm going to take Wednesday and Friday off. I'll see you the next Monday. We'll let my arms rest. Well, that was a mistake because my arms got worse. I mean, they not only hurt on the upper arm, but they were hurting down below. It just goes to show you've got to keep moving. That's what I always keep saying. Keep moving because that was pure example of it that I just had to keep keep my arms moving. And that's what I went back to doing and... Well, they still hurt a little bit, but not all over. What's the general week of training like for you? What kind of running and walking are you doing? Well, I'm following the schedule for in the training for the beach train. I signed up for it. Well, we missed last Saturday because of the weather. And I don't think I'll go the next three Saturdays, but I follow that schedule. And so every day, it says I can do you know, extra training. And so that, I count that with Brian. And the Wednesday up hills and down hills, I move that to Thursday and that. And then on the weekend, I do, I'll probably go do six miles this weekend. You said earlier that you do most of your running and walking by yourself. Why do you do that? A lot of people like to run with groups and a lot of people like to run on their own. Why do you choose to do it on your own? Because I'm a sort of a an independent person. I don't want to have to call somebody and say, okay, are you ready to go for it? Shall we meet here? Let's get together and do that. I just go out when I feel like it. I know every tenth of a mile in my neighborhood, <laughs> and I just count them off and do it by myself. I've never felt the need to meet with a group. Maybe I'm just antisocial or something. <laughs> I, well, you know, one of the reasons I, I love to run alone, I do a lot of my runs alone really early in the morning is because it's time to think. And we've talked a lot about the physical benefits of running, but talk a little bit about the mental benefits of just being out there and logging six miles. I, well, I never thought it was a mental thing, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I just, I mean, you can think. I mean, I go through what I'm supposed to be doing today and and then other times just looking at the pretty things that things that are blooming and that and that's why I just keep going. You don't listen to music when you're running? 
No, I see these people that are on the wrong side of the road with earplugs in. And I think so, get over to this other side of the road. You're facing the traffic. You're going to get run over over there. The belt line is awful with that. You can't run anywhere without people weaving in and out. I don't run with music either, but it's dangerous too. You can't hear cars coming. Oh, my goodness sakes, yeah. I always face traffic and don't have any music or anything like that. So training for the 10k but i saw you at all comers last weekend also training for the 100 there's a there's a big difference between these events how do you balance that out well the 100 you've got to give it everything you have the whole way now it took me 33 seconds to do 100 meters the world record is 25 i don't know if i can shave seven eight seconds off but I'm going to try and uh, I mean I, I knew that I've just got to push it a little harder you've got to just do as fast as you can and then a little bit more and so that's what I'll have to try do you think if we got you starting blocks it would take some time off I don't know. I've never, never tried that. I just figured when I did the 60 meter in the indoor, the other three ladies in their 70s used blocks to get going. I said, well, I'm not going to spend any time getting up and going. I want to start standing up. I never thought of it that way. So from the 100 up to 10K, you've had these, a great last couple of years Going to the, your first indoor championships this year and setting some world records. You now know what the world record is and I think every distance from 100 meters to 10K. When you go into every race now, do you have that in mind? Well, I certainly don't have it in mind for the 10K. But uh, yeah, I'm, I've got it all written down. What are the world and what are the USA records for the 100, the 200, the 400, the 800 and that. And I think tonight... At the all-comers, there's the 200 and the 400. I maybe get over there and give them a try. Not you got the 400 American record. Well, yes, I did for you. There's a lady that has beat me now. Really? Oh, yes, okay. yes. Oh, yes, she has. But that's what records are for. They're to be beaten. Mm-hmm. And so. <laughs> Do you know by how much she beat you by? Oh, Lord, I can't think of it now. But I know she... She's beat me. Her name is Colleen Milliken, I think her name is. She's done it better. <laughs> you also won two national titles, well, a bunch of national titles last year, but I remember distinctly the 5K national title at Atlanta's finest. Well, I didn't set any records. No, but it's a national championship. Yeah, I was. <laughs> Would you rather have a national title or a record? Oh, I don't know. I just go out there and do it, and if I set a record, great. I'm surprised. Yeah, that was rather interesting. I know what all of these really good runners, the masters in that 5K, got in the group, and they took off, and there I was by myself, plodding along. <laughs> Those that had started the regular 5K, that Atlanta finest, passing me, you know. Hey, Betty, how are you doing? Oh, keep going. <laughs> I don't think anybody thinks you're plodding. <laughs> so I just kept going. I was, that was the first race that I ever finished last in. But you also finished first. Well, in my age group, yeah. Doing all these distances from the, the 60 all the way up to the 10K, do you have a favorite? Mm, I don't know. I think they're all a challenge. And if I can do them and set a record or just do them well, I'll keep doing them. But uh, I'd like to set a 100 record. But see the 200? 
Yeah, I, I said that. I said a USC record. Two hundred yeah. indoors, yeah. Yeah, in that. Of course, now I have to do it outdoors, I guess. (laughs) Last question for you, and I I think I know the answer, but I want to ask anyways. So you said earlier that most of those people out there are running Peachtree in their 20s and 30s. When they're 94, they're probably not going to be running. And I tend to agree with you. What's your advice as a 94-year-old who is running to those people now to keep them running all their lives? My usual absolute thing is just keep moving. I mean, I don't know if they'll keep doing it because they're starting so early. It's going to be kind of a challenge for them if you're 40 and you're out running and you've got 50 more years to look forward to. That's a challenge. I don't know if they can keep at it. But if they're lucky enough to be healthy as I am, I'd encourage them to do it. I'll be, I'll be waiting and watching and see if they really do I guess I do have one last question. This one's for real, my last one. Okay, so there's going to be a lot of people cheering for you on the course on July 4th. What can they say? What's the most motivational thing they can say to get you to keep moving and go a little faster? Just, hey, Betty, you're looking good. Keep going. And that's all I need to do is just the fact that they actually recognize me and they just encourage me to keep going, Betty. You'll do it. Yay. We will pass that along on the podcast and we'll put it on Facebook too so everybody knows. Betty, thanks so much and good luck on July 4th and good luck in the 100. Oh, thank you. I'll give it a try. (laughs) Just keep moving. We're going to take away that final lesson from Betty Lindbergh this week here on the Peachtree Podcast, Jay, and uh, keep moving, keep training this week. But if you didn't start training for the AJC Peachtree Road Race, maybe you didn't get in this year, there are still ways to get involved, right? Yeah, the Peachtree takes almost 4,000 volunteers to put on, and there are still slots open. And this is a great way to get a front row seat to the greatest event in Atlanta, and I'll say the Southeast, all summer. So if you want to volunteer, we're going to show you some of those positions that are still available next week, talk about what it takes to be a Peachtree volunteer and what you walk away with. There's a shirt for finishers, but there's a Uh volunteer shirt too, and there's so much more. All right. We're looking forward to that next week here on the Peachtree Podcast. You can check out atlantatrackclub.org if you want some details right now on how to sign up for that. And then we might get a sneak peek from you on the Elite Field for this year. Is that coming next week too? The Elite Field is being announced on Monday. Okay. And so we'll break it down next week. We'll talk about some of the uh, some of the runners who are going to be attempting that $50,000 event record bonus. And it's a change from the years past. We've been in the USA Track and Field 10K Championships for the past three years. And this year we're going to be uh, a global race. We're going to have runners from around the world coming to compete here in Atlanta for the 50th running. Well, enjoy the weather this weekend as you're training for the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Enjoy the cooler temperatures. And of course, we'll be back here again next week. Thanks so much for taking us along. You've been listening to the Peachtree Podcast, the official podcast of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Thanks to this week's sponsors. For more information, visit atlantatrackclub.org. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ATL Track Club. A DYJ Media Production.